Greetings and welcome to another episode of Pops Collection. I'm Ron Tweedy. Joining me is Pops, and today we're going to talk about Judge Dredd. Uh, hello, everybody, and uh, I guess the most important question I should ask you is: Did you dread suggesting this movie? No, actually, I, I was totally fine with with watching this one. So, oh, very good. Uh, yes, Judge Dredd. What a this is. I guess uh, you could say our first uh, British comic. I, I think so. Uh, we talked a lot about. Well, no, actually, we didn't talk a lot about. It. We talked. We very. We made a passing reference to our Dennis the Menace uh, episode about the the UK's version of Dennis the Menace, but we didn't really give a whole lot of. Uh, background to that so uh, that that's probably the closest thing that uh, uh, we we did I, I don't know if there's anything else that was specifically English or, or British that we, we've well, covered in the past what I I find interesting about uh, that Dennis the Menace and uh, this mm -hmm. uh, comic Judge Dredd in yep. uh, the UK yeah uh, there's it's not like they have their own cover. Dennis the Menace was part of a conglomeration yeah. of weekly stories. And this one is also a weekly uh, British uh, anthology comic is right. what they called it. Yeah. I think it was 2000 AD, I think is the name of the comic. That's right. And we're not, uh, not, unused to those things happening i mean we, we talked we talked a lot about when we did the marvel movies how most of them started out at either amazing fantasy for spider-man or tales to astonish for ant-man so there, there's lots of and those were anthology comics as well so yes. we definitely had our share of that in the u.s uh the difference i think basically in 2000 ad is that it was a weekly publication not a monthly correct yes and uh actually what i found interesting about this uh particular movie mm. uh it did answer the ageless uh question that has been asked through time is who is the law okay and we got the answer i am the law yeah yeah oh yeah that's um that is definitely the most i think uh enduring thing about this movie is uh, Judge, uh Sylvester Stallone's uh, delivery of that particular line is uh is very iconic. I am the law. I am the law. I am the law. You betray the law. Mr. I am the law. So, I knew you were going to say that. That was the other one. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean yeah, definitely the I am the law, you know, that kind of thing yeah. was definitely more of a, a thing that was totally uh stallone which you know oh. for for what it is you know we talked we've talked about i don't know if we talked about still in the past we've covered movies that he was in you know whether small roles or guardians you know, of the galaxy right or the suicide squad where he plays uh you yes know, uh king shark or whatever but you know uh we we haven't covered yet a film that does star him and you know i think uh, for for me, actually, I really do uh, like and appreciate Sylvester Stallone movies, even though sometimes they can be kind of cheesy or, um, you know, uh, different. But, you know, to me, I think that uh, he has a lot of heart 
and he puts into his films and and you know his the portrayal of Judge Dredd in this one. Um, you know, from from what I can tell, uh, just from some of the reviews about it, is that he definitely uh, wasn't extremely faithful to Judge Dredd of the comics. He kind of made it his own thing. Um, but you know, we'll uh, well, we'll he kind of does that a lot. Yeah. Um, the movie came out June thirtieth, nineteen ninety five. Right. So and had a budget of ninety million dollars. Yeah. And uh, only made $114 million at the box office. And so yeah. I don't think it's surprisingly, but it uh, made a lot more overseas than it did in the U.S. Yeah, that makes sense. Which, you know, I mean, being that Stallone is kind of a iconic actor in the U.S., mm-hmm. you would have thought that it would have done pretty well. Well, the source material is kind of foreign to Americans, at least, you know, as, as comic book fans, you know, we, we have a lot of American publications uh, that we, we follow. But Judge Dredd I definitely wasn't on my radar uh, growing up as a kid. Um, no, so. no. As a matter of fact, um, I didn't even – it wasn't on my radar as a kid. So, right. Uh, but there again, too, it uh, first issue was – uh 2080 number two in 1977 right yeah so so uh i was already a grown-up guy and you're not really into that kind of stuff yeah and, and i believe uh, that one of the unique features of uh dread the character is that they've actually aged him up consistently over the years like he's he's you know an old old man in, in the later publications so that's different um, right. Well, you know, he was actually uh, uh, the character in the comic book. It was critically acclaimed as one of the most, uh, it was like they considered it the best satire of British and American culture. Uh, they, uh, I guess, the writers of it uh, took it in that direction, or maybe the critics uh, felt that that's the way it should have gone. But um, I kind of felt that this movie was somewhat tongue in cheek. In some ways, uh, I, I, I can't help but compare it with another Stallone film that was also set in the future, dystopian future of Demolition Man. And yes. I saw, saw some similarities there. Um, a, a slightly different, but also in the same way, um, you know that the tropes of uh, the dystopian future. This one, I think, was more. I'm trying to think of the right word. It was um, from a scale perspective. To me, it was much more grand. You know, with Demolition Man, it was uh, you had one city to worry about, and this one you have a mega city. And so, you know, the the lore goes that this uh, mega city one actually stretches from Boston to the northern Florida. And it's this giant city that everybody's in, and then everything outside of it is, you know, the, the cursed earth or uh, yes, wasteland. Yes. So. Um, well, I I enjoyed it. Rob Snyder, I think. I don't know if he was supposed to be the comic relief. Yeah, he was supposed to be, but yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I think to me the whole thing was kind of tongue in cheek, you know, especially. You know, the I am the law. Right. 
you know, that got to be a trope through the movie uh, somewhat too, you know? Yeah, and I think there actually is some interesting philosophical points that you can take from a lot of the, the um, you know, uh, the way that the law is presented in this film and how justice is carried out um, the and the procedure behind all of that. That is, I think, a pretty fascinating thing um, when you compare it to not only the current situation that we face, but also compare it to what God's law has to say. I think there's also some interesting uh, divergences between the two. Uh, yeah, I would have to say so. Yeah. Um, this film was not really received that well. Right. As a matter of fact, um, well, it was nominated for four Saturn Awards. Right. And I think that's um, mostly due to the special effects as opposed oh, to the yes. story well, or the, yeah, acting. The uh, stunts and the action sequences, yeah. uh, the musical score actually, uh, yep. also, uh, which I found really interesting because you had David Arnold uh, that started off with it. And mm -hmm. then you had Jerry Coldsmith who did, you know, yep. all those epic movies. Right. And then he took off and Alvin Silvestri, Alan Silvestri yeah. uh, wound up finishing it up. Right, which, you know, Alan Svestri is kind of now the big guy, you know, doing all of the big superhero themes with uh, yes, Marvel and yes. stuff. So it's like, here we go, you know. Of course, and uh, we did get uh, in the end credits, uh, we did get a, a great song uh, that called The Dread Song. Right. Which was written and performed by The Cure. Right, yeah. So, so another, you know, uniquely British thing for yes. a British superhero. So that, that, to me, I think was really fitting, actually. Yeah. I, I mean, to me, there were a lot of good things in this movie. Yeah. Uh, to the point that um, I enjoyed it. I, I didn't feel like this is going to be a snoozer or, right. you know, there were th little things here and there that uh, just totally uh, made me feel great, you yeah. know? And a lot of it, I think, has to do with the fact that a lot of the effects that they did were practical and they weren't all CG. You know, we, we, we had a, 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 a in, my, in my opinion, the last film that we talked about with that pretty much was daredevil and how the cg really aged poorly but in this one because the cg was used for not like the stunts the stunts were actually physically done uh it, yes. aged, it ages a lot better uh with this film yes and uh the costumes you know who did the costumes right well i think versace did yes. the armor right yes well he did uh, actually most of the stuff there okay um but uh yeah, I, I loved the uh, uh, the dread costume with the little shield going yeah. over halfway. Right, and uh, uh, even the uh, bad guys in the cursed earth, mm -hmm. which I thought was really hilarious. But uh, mm -hmm. you know, we did have our Walking Dead character in there. Yeah. As the father, right? <laughs> so, uh, and, and the the cityscape it, did that kind of remind you of Blade Runner or a little bit? Yeah, I, I'd say Blade Runner is probably the closest comparison. Um, 
but to me it, it was like a halfway between that and almost like a gotham city type of vibe you know just how the buildings yeah, were so i over- could see that it's like it was almost like in a constant state of nighttime because the buildings are so tall that they kind of block out the sun i could see that i could see that um and i thought really the way that they uh chose to um, portray uh, the law there was interesting that uh, really no president, everything was run by the law itself. Well, so the justice system has been given. So funnily enough, I do think that that side of it, the structure actually mirrors what the original biblical law does. So like you have judges that were kind of in charge in the beginning. Yes. And so um, I think the difference is, though, is that when it came to execution, the judges weren't responsible for that part of it. That was normally the elders of the town were to, you know, execute justice after the judgment has been made. But right. I, I do think that there is a... <clears throat> That, that, that should be kind of the idea is that you have a, a civil magistrate that is close to what's actually happening and for them to be able to adjudicate uh, violations of the law. The, pro- the problem, I think, the real big problem there, and I think the most unrealistic part of the movie was that the law in this dystopian future was only contained in that one little book that was about, you know, this thick or whatever. And it's like, yes. Um, just the current federal code is, I think, over 3,000 pages long. So I think that that's kind of unrealistic, that you could fit all the law of, of that mega city into that little book. I, I just think that's ridiculous. Well, and, and the premise of the movie is that uh, the uh, bad guy, which was, uh, well, actually, besides Armand Asante, but uh, yeah. Jorgen Brocknow, right? he wanted to make even more uh, – menial crimes deserve death right i I think the the law wasn't going to be changed just the punishment side of it that he wanted to make the punishments too severe um and and because it and and as more severe right to control the population right which if that's really how big the mega city was yeah then there had there must have been issues with food and what have you if you notice, there were lines in there like uh, eat recycled food. Yeah. It's good for the environment and it's not going to hurt you. It's okay for you. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay for you. Yeah. That that to me, like uh, that was one of the questions that I have is that because everything's been citified, you know, where's the food coming from? Because, you know, it's not, you know, that that is one thing that I've become more and more aware of is that a lot of times that we depend on the rural farmers for food. So if everything outside of the city is cursed earth, where's that food coming from? All right. That's true. Even if it is recycled, this still has to come from somewhere in the beginning. Right. Right. Well, uh, a long time ago, there was an old movie that was called Soylent Green. I know. And that, you know, had the same, the recycling. Yeah came from the people dying right you know yep. so yep yeah and we found that the uh, paul and his uh his people they were just they were doing the same thing yes so they were uh which again that that family yeah uh, that whole thing to me was just 
uh, it I looked to me like some of the sets and uh, things that we saw were taken right out of the comic book. Yeah, sure. But um, they chose not to do that with the storyline. I don't know why. You know? Yeah, I'm not too familiar with the storyline, so I can't really right well i mean that was the criticism of the movie yeah you know from the critics mm -hmm. uh we did get uh interestingly enough we had armand asante and uh stallone yeah uh with blue eyes True. because they and they actually had to wear those blue contacts through the whole filming of the movie yeah so that, that, they, that, did, that did look kind of out of place uh it really and I think in the comic, up to that point, he actually never took off his helmet. So, like, you never really saw he the He never top took off his helmet in so, the comics. So, th so the fact that they took it off there was, I think, the biggest departure from it. I think that might have what garnered some of the criticism behind oh, not yes. being faithful to the, the, the franchise. I'm sure. So. Uh, we did get some uh, other really good actors. We had uh, uh, Diane Lane playing uh, Judge Martha Kent. And um, okay, right? Well, uh, yeah, yeah, I know what you meant by that, but yeah, okay, Barbara Hershey, right? Okay, which w was actually a name of another actress, you know. So I was like, why did they do that? But well, they did that because that's part of the comic is that a lot of times when they reference uh, different things, they'll put in contemporary things. I know. I was uh, watching a video about one of them, uh, and they were talking about how, like, some of the street names were named after actors as well. You know, Abbott Costello was in the film. Yes, mentioned. yes. So, so it, it, it happens all the time in the comics, so that's the reason why they will, uh, you know, that was kind of a callback to what, what naming conventions are in the comic. Right, and that is another one of the reasons that I thought that it was uh, tongue-in-cheek. Sure. You know, uh, but... Uh, great uh there was really some good actors in this mm -hmm. and i loved the cityscape the way that uh yeah. it was done yeah uh really really good job as a matter of fact there was another film uh the bruce willis film Fifth uh, yeah yeah it kind of looked uh similar to that as far as the cityscape okay uh which also too is like the uh the planet in uh, episode one of Star Wars. Coruscant. Yeah. Okay. So it's something like that, right? Very uh, one huge city. Yeah. Only in this case, it's just the East Coast. Right. Of the U.S. So. Right. Uh, let's see. Talked about the costumes, special effects. Uh, the stunts were done real, real well. Mm-hmm. Um, but you thought once, uh, once the music started, you felt like this was going to be a really epic film. It was that kind of music. It really, you know, came forth. Yeah. So you had all these good things working for it. Mm -hmm. Why did it not do so well? I wonder, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I, I think there's like i said i think part of it has to do with the fact that there was no brand awareness for judge dread 
And I think the other part of it is that it, it, it is very similar to some of the other Stallone films and other films in that that genre of, you know, futuristic sci-fi. You know, you've got yeah. – I, I also thought that – or uh, Tracy made the observation that there's definitely hints of Total Recall in the, in the film as well. Just the future dystopia – you know, uh, chasing yes. it with like you know futuristic. I could see like that. that. Yes, yeah, so. I I love the way they did the motorcycles too. Yeah, I yeah. thought they were done real, real well. Yeah, uh, I imagine that a lot of their budget had to do with, uh, you know, the sets and uh, getting those things up. Uh, I thought in the beginning that maybe. A lot was spent on the actors and actresses because you have a lot of big names there. But I think maybe more so. I don't know how much was Varsace really big at that time. Mm -hmm. You know, so yeah, did they have to pay him a lot for the costumes or? Well, and you, you know? also have to remember that for films like this, it's not like you can just go on location somewhere and start shooting you actually have to build a set from the ground up and yes you know have all of that stuff kind of fabricated because there really isn't anything like it that exists in nature right i mean you have you could probably shoot in the desert for some of the, the cursed earth stuff but that's about it everything else you kind of have to build from the ground up and it's just one person's vision of what the future is that's true and uh which makes me ponder mm -hmm. some of those futuristic buildings um, and the robot for that matter that uh, robot yeah did remind me somewhat of a character that I saw in Robocop yeah the ed 209 yeah. yeah yeah so um, I wonder if any of that stuff was recycled from other movies. It's possible. Yeah, no, because uh, with a $90 million budget in 1995, yeah, for well, what they had there. I, I don't know. For me, the, the Ed 209 and the, the ABC robot or ABEC robot, whatever they call it, uh, the, 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 there's a big difference there. I mean, obviously, the Ed 209 was a stop-motion uh, puppet thing that they did, which I think they right. did a really good job with, but whereas this this robot was all like animatronic stuff. Yeah. So. True, but very similar in style. Um, somewhat. Uh, but you know what? We have not reviewed a uh, RoboCop movie yet, so we we'll have to add that to the list, I guess. Well, that does bring up something else that I do want to talk about. I, I'm... This film is R-rated, but I don't really think it deserved an R rating. Whereas Robocop is a hard R. I mean, like there are really graphic scenes and the in Robo original Robocop. Yes, yes, yeah, of course. That's that's, the, that's what I was talking about. But the uh, but this one it has an R rating, but you know maybe a couple of uh you know expletives at towards the end. I think that's about it. Like they could have they could have edited those out and maybe some of the. Uh, more violent stuff they probably could have gotten the pg-13 rating which probably would have gotten them a much wider audience because that's the other thing that we have to consider is that you know this is a comic book movie but it's rated r and you know we, we talked about this that most of the time those r-rated films don't do that well 
uh, with you know notable exceptions being you know Logan and things like that. But you know, right in the new Suicide Squad movie, right. I think right uh, did really well. But I would uh, tend to agree with you on that. Uh, that this movie uh, we talk about movies that we see that are 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 PG-13 rated and yep. that if they would have just uh, taken it in a little bit different direction and made it an R that it would have been a much more successful movie. This is just the opposite. If they would have yeah. uh, given it a PG or PG-13 rating and just cut out some of that stuff, it probably would have been a lot more successful. I think so. Even though it's not a known brand. Right. Uh, in the U.S. Right. But uh, I really liked the costume. It wasn't totally um, like the comic book uh, costume, but right. uh, it was close enough that he did look, uh, the judges looked yeah. uh, pretty uh, intimidating. Yeah, and I think that it kind of reminded me a little bit of, of Dick Tracy in that the, from an aesthetic standpoint, they wanted to make it very stark, the, at least the, the judge's uniform, uh, in, in that, you know, it's very bright colors, and, and but the difference being that the backdrops, everything is just like shades of gray and like, you know, dingy, yes. dirty stuff, yes. as opposed to Dick Tracy, where it was all primary colors, which was kind of different but but i think from the the character design standpoint i think it's very similar yes yes and uh like i said i i enjoyed watching this movie yeah. you know i did not think uh badly of it or that i i somehow thought that you might not feel that way but uh you know because it's not really your cup of tea, I don't think, you know, but again, like you said, you're not familiar with the source. Well, I think actually it is because, you know, for, for, I, I like the futuristic movies like this. I like Sylvester Stallone. I tolerate Rob Schneider. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, th there are some films where Rob Schneider actually is really good this is not one of them uh he could have i you know if, if he were not in this film it would be better i think but um but yeah i i actually it, i there's not a whole lot of bad i can say about this film you know which is kind of strange but it's weird yes i i i am really shocked and, and pleasantly pleasantly surprised i might add yeah and it could just be the ps ptsd that i'm suffering after having to watch daredevil and electra <laughs> <laughs> well wait till you hear my suggestion for next week and then maybe you'll get back into that psd i don't know we'll see uh but uh so uh had the message uh you feel that uh, it relates somewhat to the way that uh, law enforcement is treated today in this time? Well, there there is certainly a there's a separation of that. I mean, law enforcement today is 
not judge, jury, and executioner, right? So that that's the big thing there. Uh, they they might have to be, uh, depending if the situation warrants it. So if there's a life threatening situation, they do actually might end up having to take a life, uh, justifiably or sometimes unjustifiably. That's what the you know the justice system is supposed to determine in, in events like that. Uh, so the fact that there's a separation between uh, the police and the justice system, or there's a cooperation between the two, like we see in shows like Law and Order. Uh, yes, you know, I, I do think that there are some. There are some. I think there's some wisdom to that. That there's a separation between the two, because in order, f and, and I do like the fact that they did bring in the concept of Lady Justice, because to me, I think that's a really good picture about what justice should be. So for those of you who are haven't watched the film or unfamiliar about the concept of Lady Justice is that Lady Justice is has a blindfold on and she has two things in her in her hands. The first I, I forget it's really, it depends on the the depiction but in one hand she has scales. And the scales are supposed to represent that uh you know you're going to be careful way the evidence for or against a particular action. And then the other side of it, she has a sword in her hand. And because of that, she has the ability to carry out justice. And, uh, you know, you can clearly go back to Romans 13, where the Apostle Paul says that the civil magistrate is the, uh, he literally uses the word deacon, the word that we use for deacon, the deacon of God, in order to carry out, to reward uh, the good and to punish the evil. And he doesn't wield the sword in vain. That's what the Apostle Paul says. And so uh, Lady Justice is wielding the sword. and She's not wielding it in vain. She's weighing the matters. And the other thing is that she's blindfolded. So what that means is that when it comes to weighing the merits of a case, she's not seeing the person involved in their qualities. It doesn't have anything to do with it. It's, it's what, what do the facts say and how do they balance out? And then based on that, justice gets executed so i think that that's something that uh you can't it, it's it'd be difficult for someone to do as they're uh involved in all three of those things that we talked about you know so so to me uh i think that that's uh something that is uh missing from this particular story and it, it's also missing from some of the uh justice uh system issues that we see currently that a lot of times we're not necessarily looking at the facts we're looking at who perpetrated what and because of you know incidental characteristics like you know the color of their skin they're either guilty or not guilty um and so uh we should be uh blindfolded when it comes to that you know the book of leviticus tells us to not um favor the rich or the poor in whatever matters but use equal scales you know just just measures and so yes um yeah so that's that uh, and it was brought to light uh when schneider was in the recycled food robot yeah and automatically he was guilty right and, and you know the, i think that that's the other thing that is important for us to think about is there's the letter of the law and there's the spirit of the law right Yes. So, so a great example of this is, um, you know, the the God's law had prohibitions of working on the Sabbath, right? And so the idea was that e even in some cases that there was a capital offense to work on the Sabbath. In the same way, though, uh, if uh, your ox got caught up somewhere and you had to 
you know, uh, work to help get him free from that thing or else he would die, it was permissible for you to work on the Sabbath to do that. So, so the spirit of the law was that don't do work on the Sabbath, but the letter of the law would allow for uh, special extenuating circumstances where you could do that. For instance, and the other thing is like, you know, you're not supposed to um, harvest uh, during the, the Sabbath, and yet Jesus and his disciples were gleaning on the edges of the field in order to feed themselves. So it's okay for you to labor if you need to feed yourself to survive versus, you know, not doing any work and starving to death. Right, right. But I mean, they did, uh, they attempted not to do any work on the Sabbath at all. Right. But my, my point, but the point being is that, so in this, in the case with Fergie's situation, whatever his name is, right? Fergie. I think. Yes. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, you know, him, uh, tampering with the serve bot, uh, was not for any type of ill, uh, gain at all. It was for no. him to survive. It was for survival. And so, you know, he did not violate the spirit of the law of tampering with serve bots. He was doing it for, to preserve his life, which to me, uh, the preservation of life is what the law is all about. And so if you are acting in a way that's contrary to the letter of the law to preserve life, the, the, the preserving of life takes precedent over, um, a particular interpretation of the law. Yes. Uh, and you know, what surprised me, uh, in 2012, they did a reboot of this movie, right? And it did worse than this movie. It yeah. was not as popular at, at all. Yeah. And I, I feel like that movie was a lot more deserving of the R rating. Okay. Because I think there was a lot more violence in that movie than there was in this movie. Okay. I think this movie was tame compared to that one. Right. But again, uh, Judge Dredd, again, had uh, the comic itself uh, had a really positive following. And there were uh, people that gave it a, a lot of credit for its insight back in 1977, mm -hmm. talking about cloning and, uh, right. you know, um, cell phones and, and just different things that they were fabricating in these comics that comics that actually became reality later on in life. It was kind of crazy that, uh, yeah. again, they sometimes writers of comics have their minds are just, they blow you away, you know, that they yeah, think about these things. Yeah. Strangely prophetic. Uh, yes. Thanks. So yeah, because we, we can talk about, you know, Beaver Vendetta, which I think is happening right now, which we're experiencing. Uh, or we can talk about, I, I think that, uh, you know, even in some other pieces of literature, like, you know, Brave New World or 1984, or yes. I think that, you know, even Frank Herbert's Dune is probably our future. And maybe I'll, we'll get on that. Maybe there, that's another podcast for another day. But, you know, there, there, but at the same time, there's also, I think, anybody's vision of the future, they're going to get some things right and some things wrong. So I, I don't think it's necessarily anything uh, 
uh, supernatural happening there. I think it's just good guessing and kind of seeing what's happening now and kind of guessing and being able to think consequentially down the line. What what's this actually mean for us? Uh, that uh, sounds like a good idea. Uh, that you're probably correct in that because uh, Nostradamus. Yeah. Uh, they there's a lot of people that give him a lot of uh, claim. Yeah. For his things, but even his stuff, they the percentage is not that high right. of things that he predicted right correctly yeah know? so, so it's, it's like if you make like you know a thousand predictions and you have some come true it's just the law of probability where it's you know you're going to get it right a, you know, a couple times at least right but i do think it's kind of uh interesting uh that well the Star Trek thing in the beginning, yeah. in the original show. Yeah. And then for a while there, we had a flip phone. Yeah. Did the guy that invented the flip phone take his cue from that? Yeah. Or yeah, he did. is it just a coincidence? No, you know? it, it, it was, it, that, in that case, it was clearly inspired by Star Trek. Star Trek actually influenced the future. Okay. So sometimes it's going to be that way and sometimes yeah. it's not. Right. But uh, yes, this was uh, definitely an enjoyable movie. Uh, anything else you want to mention about it or talk about? I think I think I covered it. You know, I, I really do oh, think yes. that there was plenty of interesting philosophical things happening, even in a movie like this. Uh, and you know, despite the critics, I think this actually is a better movie than a lot of people um, tend to gave it credit for. for. Yeah. Oh, yeah, me too. As a matter of fact, I think you'll find when we get to the rating that I'm going to rate it pretty good, you know? So uh, I guess that there's nothing else, and that's where we're at then. Sure. Yep. So um, I'll start off by telling you that uh, with the stunts and the action and the special effects, I'm yep. actually going to give it an eight. Okay. Which might seem high to the critics, but to me... It was very enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'll give it a seven and a half. I do think that, um, like you said, it's, it is actually way better than average. Uh, the, and the movie has aged a lot more gracefully than some other films that we've talked about. And again, I think that the themes around it between uh, justice and, um, you know, things like that. And we even talk about the ethical implications of cloning, but there, there's certainly a lot to talk about there, but let's, we don't need to open up that can of worms at this point, but all, all that stuff is interesting coming from a film that, you know, is was so supposed to be a comic book film from 1995. You know? Correct. So, yes. Anyway, I think that's good. All right. Awesome. All right. So, uh, nothing left, but, uh, Say goodbye then. Yep, that's right. Thank you for listening for another episode of Pops Collection. Uh, if you have any feedback, please leave it uh, on our social media platforms. And uh, we'll see you next week with something new. Goodbye and God bless. Goodbye, God bless, and tell your friends.